Good morning. Hope you were doing great. We're going to get started here in just a couple of minutes. Obviously, we don't have any worship time for you in terms of music this morning. So go ahead and uh, make sure you take a look at the, the Slack channel. Church family put up some snow pictures. Take a look at the songs that we've been posting on there. Hopefully you can use those things to just continue to stay connected. Uh, again, we're going to get started here in just a few minutes. Um, get your Bibles to Exodus chapter 40. My snow day involved staying inside. Um, yes, did I, I did not venture outside. I saw it. It looked nice. But I watched it from afar. Okay, so we're going to jump right in. We're going to go into Exodus chapter 40. Here's what I want, I want to start off by telling you um, to set us up for our message right now. Uh, when my brother and I were, were six and seven years old, we had our favorite toy and we were playing with that. Legos. Yes, I'm 50 years old and Legos, of course, have been the timeless toy of everyone. So we had Legos strewn all over the floor. They were everywhere. My dad came upstairs. We were living in Virginia at the time. My brother and I were playing, building, doing all kinds of stuff. My dad comes upstairs. Now, my dad's name is Buford Shelton Rice Jr. Okay, that's his name. And I don't know why I just told you that, but it makes the story better. So <clears throat> my dad comes upstairs, looks at my brother and I, six and seven years old. We're 12 months and one day apart. He says, boys, clean up your Legos, put your pajamas on, and get ready for bed. Will and I, with this massive amount of courage and bravado, look at each other and then look back at my dad and put our head sideways and said, no. My dad then looked over his glasses like this. And when Buford Shelton Rice Jr. does that, you're in trouble. And he said, I said, pick up your Legos, put your pajamas on, and get ready for bed. For some strange reason, Will and I heard him, looked at each other, and for the second time said no with a lot of attitude. Now, as I look back on that moment of being my dad, I often wonder why somebody did not create timeout because I did not get a timeout, if you know what I mean, okay? My dad... I got a spanking. <laughs> I got in trouble. Um, I disobeyed my father. Now listen, in Exodus chapter 40, we're going to take a look at how, how this book is concluded. We've been in here since April. And in Exodus chapter 40, we're going to see Moses who listens to the Lord and then obeys the Lord. And, and I'm hoping that that's going to bring you great encouragement. That you know that God speaks and we should listen. And so what I want to do is I want to jump in to Exodus 40. I've got four lessons for us. 
And the first lesson is that God is always speaking. Let us listen and obey. God is always speaking. Let us listen and obey. So what I'm going to do here is I'm going to read a couple of parts of the first, really, 16 verses. And every time I read the words, you shall, I want you to keep count. Wherever you are in your house, how many people are there, I want you to keep count how many times the Lord says to Moses, you shall. All right? Because this is the Lord speaking to Moses. He is instructed to go ahead and, and build and erect the temple, or the tabernacle. Okay? We know what it looks like. We have all the supplies. I want you to go and I want you to erect the temple. Now, every time I say that, you're going to keep count. So here's verse one. It says this, the Lord spoke to Moses saying on the first day of the first month, you shall erect the tabernacle of the tent of meeting. Verse three, and you shall later in verse three, you shall screen the ark. Verse four, and you shall bring later in verse four, you shall bring verse five. And you shall put the golden altar for incense before the ark of the testimony. Verse 6, you shall set the altar of burnt offering before the door of the tabernacle of the tent of meeting. Verse 8, and you shall. Then we go over here to verse 9. And then you shall take the anointing oil and anoint the tabernacle. You shall also anoint the altar of burnt offering. Verse 11, you shall also anoint the basin. Verse 12, then you shall. Then it says later in verse 11, that you shall wash them. And in verse 13, and you shall anoint him and consecrate him that he may serve me as priest. Verse 14, you shall bring his sons. So verse 16 says, then Moses did according to all that the Lord had commanded him. So here's, we have a situation right now, looking in the first 16 verses where God is speaking to Moses and he says over and over again, you shall. Now, how many did you come up with? Now, I think the answer is 15. All right? So 1 through 16, we've got 15 times where the Lord says to Moses, you shall, you shall, you shall, you shall. We look in verse 16 and it says, and Moses did all that the Lord had commanded him. Now in 17 through the end, all the way to 33, we're going to take a look at what Moses did looking at the action steps, and then looking at a key phrase um, that you're going to pick up what that is once I get ready to read it. So it, look, take a look in verse 17. In the first month, in the second year, on the first day of the month, the tabernacle was erected. Now on verse 1, God told Moses to do this. And on the same day, Moses is doing what God told him to do. There is no delayed obedience. So here what we see, Moses is demonstrating to you and I, God is always speaking. Let us obey him together. And so let's take a look at verses 17 all the way to 33 and take a look at what Moses did in terms of his obedience. Verse 18, he laid its bases and set up. Verse 19, and he spread as the Lord had commanded Moses. Verse 20, he took, verse 21, and he brought as the Lord had commanded Moses. Verse 22, he put, verse 23, and he arranged as the Lord had commanded Moses. Verse 24, he put, verse 25, and he set up as the Lord had commanded Moses. Verse 26, 
he put, verse 27, and burned as the Lord had commanded Moses. Verse 28, he put, verse 29, and he set as the Lord had commanded Moses. Verse 30, he set the basin. And then verse down there in verse 32, they washed as the Lord had commanded Moses. Here is what Moses is demonstrating to us, whether it's go make disciples, whether it's loving other people, whether it's um, sharing our faith. The Lord has commanded us. The Lord is always speaking. Let us together, Northwest, obey what he's telling us to do. There is no de delayed obedience in Moses' life. That stuck, stuck out to me so powerfully this week as I was preparing the message. And, and so here, here's a vision for us. I'm going to read two texts, and I want you to see um, our application of this, this point. Um, go and make disciples of all nations, and the people of Northwest did all that the Lord had commanded. So we've been talking about being disciple makers, being a family of disciples who are making disciples, learning to trust, love, and obey Jesus, that we live with open lives, open Bible, and open faith. Here is what that, that text would say. Now, how about Matthew 22, verse 37? And he said to them, this is Jesus, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And the people of Northwest did all that the Lord had commanded them. What would it look like for that to be true? What would that look like if that were true about our church? So the Bible is filled with places of God instructing us what to do. And let us live without delayed obedience. Let us live without delayed obedience. Look at, look at what Moses, I believe Moses, put it in Northwest language. Moses has learned to trust, love, and obey God. Remember what he said Back in, I think, Exodus 3, I want you to be my spokesman. And, and, and Moses is like, well, I can't talk. There's a delay there. But over what's happened is Moses has learned to trust. Moses has learned to love. And now Moses is demonstrating to us um, obedience. And it's not delayed. I, I, I love that part. Here's lesson number two. God is relentless in his desire to dwell with you. God is relentless in his desire to dwell with you. Listen, I study this passage and there are several authors and pastors that helped me see this point. And I could not at this time give you give credit for all of them. But I, I, I did not see this. And in my study, this blew me away. Verse 33, it says this. And he erected the court around the tabernacle of the altar. And he set up the screen of the gate of the court. So Moses finished the work. Then we go to verse 34, which talks about the tabernacle being finished in the glory of God. Verse 34 says, Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Now, in the original language, 34 does not have the word then. So what it seems to suggest is that Moses finished the work and then there's a pause, and then there is the glory of the Lord filling the tabernacle. But a proper understanding of this is that there is no pause. It was absolutely immediate. 
July 15, 1995. July 15, 1995, there was no pause. Here's the day. I bought the ring. I was a nervous wreck. I got the key to the church that she grew up in. My girlfriend at the time, Dana Lynn Qualls. We went out to dinner and we went back to the church that she grew up in. I had the key and a long story, but I didn't have the alarm code. That, that, um, uh, <laughs> that's an interesting thing. This is the day, July 15th, 1995, is the day that I got down on one knee, that day that I had been looking forward to, three and a half years of dating, got down on one knee and asked this beautiful woman, would she be my wife? And here's the deal. There was no pause. Dana Lynn Qualls, will you marry me? And as soon as I got the M out, she was like, yes, yes. Put the ring on her finger, okay? And there was no pause. Here's what I want you to see. God is so eager to dwell with us. He is relentless in his pursuit of us. That as soon as Moses finished the tabernacle, the glory consumed the tabernacle. There was no delay. There was no pause. It, the la my last day on earth, my la whenever that is, it says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. There is no pause. It's as soon as you take your last breath, you're in the presence of God. R R Romans says that if you confess with your mouth and the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. There is no pause. There's no delay. And what, what we want to see here is that God is eager about dwelling with his people. God is eager about a relationship with you and a relationship with me. And we see that right here in that text. He is relentless in a desire to dwell with you and to dwell with me. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know about you, but that, that really impacted me um, in my study this week. Uh, um, one of the things that we can see is, 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 is if you look at the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus, we can see it was, hey, I'm going to go kill people. Boom. He stops. He goes to his knees. He's blinded. He comes to an awareness that Jesus is the way. There was no pause in him placing his faith once he placed his faith in, in Christ, how God used him. And so I, I want that to encourage you. I want that to encourage you to know that God desires. He's passionate about dwelling with you. He's passionate about pursuing you. He's relentless. He's eager. He is in love with his people and has gone to great lengths to demonstrate that. The cross, the, the empty tomb is an example of that. Um, all right, so we've got two lessons, and uh, that's lesson number two. God is relentless in his desire to dwell with you. He, here's number three. Number three, God is holy, and that is a good thing. God is holy, and that is a good thing. Holy means that God is set apart. He is completely different than you and I. He's different. How is he different? There is sin. He is sinless. It's his glory is the manifestation of his beauty and his perfection. That's the glory of himself. And all of this is in the tabernacle. And so what we see in verse 35, which I have to be honest with you, it seemed to, be, to me to be a little unfair 
But I'll, I'll read 35. What does it say in 35? And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the clouds settled on it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses has been in the presence of God on Mount Sinai, on the outside of the, of the tent. There was a place that they would meet, if you notice in the book of Exodus. But in this situation, Moses has finished the tabernacle. He's, he's, he's erected the, the tent, um, and, and he's got it all set up. And he, I, I think he assumes, oh, well, I'm just going to walk right in there, and he's not allowed to do that. And why is he not allowed to do that? Because God is holy, and God does not wink at our sin. Listen, he doesn't wink at our sin. We looked in 32 at the golden calf, and we saw what happened when, they, when, when they're up there getting the instructions, and Moses getting the instructions, and God finds out that they're down there impatient, don't trust him, and they're bowing down to a foreign idol because they don't trust God. And what we need to understand is that even though God is eager and relentless in having a relationship with us, we cannot let the understanding of his holiness, we can't let our sin um, 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 allow us to miss um, his presence. God must deal with our sin. We must repent of our sin. First John says that if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so we need, we need to understand that, that His holiness does not trump His eagerness. His eagerness does not, excuse, does not just go, oh, I'm so eager to have a relationship with you that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just wink at your sin or give you a pass. No, Moses demonstrates to you and I that God is holy, and that's a good thing for us because he's the one that can take, um, he's the one that made atonement for our sins, and only he did that. Um, he's holy, and that is a good thing because we have an answer, and he provided that answer in Christ for us. And so let's, Northwest, let's not, let's not wink at our sin. Let's, let's understand that God forgives us of all of our sins and cleanses us from that. But let's, let's make sure we not forget that he is holy um, and we can be invited into his presence um, through the forgiveness of our sins. So that's the lesson I want to see. That's number three. And here we go. Number four. Number four. What's number four? Number four is that God is sovereign and will guide you. God is sovereign and will guide you. Here's verse 36 to, to the end of the chapter, all the way to 38. It says, throughout all their journeys, if I'm you, I'm circling all, all their journeys, whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out. Verse 37, but if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not set out till the Lord, till the day that it was taken up. 38, for the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day, and fire was in it by night, in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. We know that God is the same today, yesterday, and forever. We know that that's the immutability of God. He does not change. God is the same. So if he is going to lead them, then here's the fact, Northwest, he will lead us. I mean, we, we have a really, uh, we have a strong propensity to plan and dictate and tell God our plans. 
I'm guilty of that. And I know we all are. But the scriptures teach us that man plans his ways, but the Lord directs their steps. Right now, what we're seeing right now is the glory of God is a demonstration that, hey, listen, I have brought you this far. I've brought you this far. I have taken you to this place. When we move into the promised land, I need you to know that you're not going to dictate where the camp is going to be set up. I'm going to do that. In essence, what God is demonstrating to Moses is that I'm calling the shots, not you. Because, like he told them, there is no other God than him. And throughout the book of Exodus, he's trying to teach them who he is. Now, I, I love, I love this, this point that we recognize the sovereign hand of God. And I want you to recognize in your life that, that he truly is sovereign over every aspect of your life. That he is leading you. Right now, you might be in the midst of some junk some difficult things, but I want you to know that he's in charge of all of your journey, just like he was in charge of all of their journey. It says throughout all their journeys, and then at the end of the chapter, it says throughout all their journeys. God is completely sovereign over every aspect of our life, and he will guide us. He, he led them into the promised land. He, he, he is leading right now. He's leading us, Northwest, and we want to continue to um, listen to him and, and obey him that Moses demonstrated again in the first lesson. Um, so so what, what can we learn and how do we sort of conclude? I, I want us to just read 2946. If you want to look at Exodus 2946, then I would love for you to just pick that up. Here's what it says in 2946. And they shall know that I am the Lord their God who brought them out of the land of Egypt, God will bring you out of your Egypt and us out of our Egypt. We've talked about that. That I might dwell among them. Here it is. Don't miss this. I am the Lord, their God. To me, that summarizes the book of Exodus. That summarizes what he wants to know. And they shall know that I am the Lord, their God, who brought them out of the land of Egypt, that I might dwell with them, and I am the Lord their God. One of the things that we've tried to do is talk about how God is trying to get us back to Eden. He's trying to get us back to Eden. We've talked about that. We've talked about how the tabernacle has demonstrated that. And so here's what I want you to do. To, um, I want you, wherever you are, to read Revelation 21, 1 through 8. I want you to read what the new Eden or the new Jerusalem or the new heaven, as we call it, is going to look like. And I'm asking that God would use this text to hold on to the not yet. That one day, you and I are going to be there. And then Revelation 21 tells us what it's going to look like. So one person at a time, go around your family, have everybody read one of those verses and talk about the new Eden, the new Jerusalem, the new heaven. And to do what? To listen and obey and not have those delayed obedience moments. Um, he's too good. He's worthy. 
and let us continue to trust, love, and obey him and learn to do that together. Uh, I love you guys, and I sure hope we see each other next Sunday. Um, and I pray you have a great day. I want to pray for us and as we continue to, to worship together. So as I finish praying, and then you go ahead and read Revelation 21. God in heaven, I love you, and I thank you for our text today. I thank you for the, the ability to have um, digital church this morning, and pray you'll keep all of our folks safe, and uh, pray that as we read the text, we recognize that you're always speaking, and that we have an opportunity to obey you, and help us to do that without delay. Thank you for your eagerness to have a relationship with us, and thank you for forgiving our sins and being holy, and thank you, God, for being sovereign and being willing to lead us. Help us to follow. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys. Have a great Sunday.